0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of A Sip of Culture
1: We're Hannah and Josh and we're so excited to tackle one of our favorite parts of Bulan culture, music
0: as you may recall from our first episode, we're both musicians, so this part of Bulong culture really caught our attention from the very beginning and is you know near and dear to our hearts. And as we spend a lot of time getting to know Bulong musicians and working with them to transcribe and create our ebook of Bulong music.
1: We'll be exploring the musicians themselves more in detail along with other Bulong people in next week's episode, but today we wanted to focus on the music itself. There are a few unique characteristics of Bulong music that we want to emphasize, the first being that it's completely oral. This means that there's no system of written notation like we have in western music, everything is passed down orally, which has partially accelerated the loss of bulang music.
0: This directly relates to the next distinctive characteristic of boulang music, its highly experiential improvisational nature. Legend has it that boulang music actually originates from the earliest days of picking tea, the unique type of singing that defines their music today stem from their grunts and groans of labor when picking tea.
1: Fun fact, um, the prince actually told us that singing while picking tea actually helps regulate breathing.
0: Ooh. But see, I think that's exactly the function that Bula music serves in daily life. It's not made to be performed on a stage, but it's sung and played when you're picking tea, when you're dancing at a festival, Mm -hmm. when you're or like sitting around a fire, which is really important in boulang culture, or even to flirt with potential significant others.
1: (laughs) And the third and final defining characteristic, and perhaps the most important one that we alluded to in last week's episode, is how boulang music is a vessel for culture and history. We will circle back to explore this last characteristic more in depth, but first, let's take a look at the first two.
0: So boulang music can generally be divided into two categories, instrumental and vocal, as far as instruments go, the two main ones are the four string, si qing, a more melodic guitar-like instrument, and the more percussive elephant foot drum, jiao gu.
1: Just a quick note, the <laughs> drum is not made out of elephant feet. They named it Uh, this because the thump of the drum resembles an elephant's footsteps. There aren't as many specific tunes written for the elephant foot drum, but generally there are various distinctive cadences that define this instrument, which is commonly played at festivals, which you can hear in this clip along with other percussive symbols.
0: As for the fourth string, there are many tunes associated to specific parts of bulang life, including tea, of course, uh, festivities, and eating. These tunes can be instrumental or accompanied by singing. Often different songs will share the same bass tune or melody, but have different lyrics on top of it. Here's a snippet of a tune associated with bo- both meals and prayers for goodwill, called Fudiao, or a song for blessings. In this case, the lyrics are about eating.
1: Finally, perhaps the most distinctive part of bulong music is the vocal songs. These songs can either be performed with or without instruments, individu- individually or in groups. The group dynamic is particularly interesting. They don't necessarily harmonize with each other, but their songs often are structured in a call and response format. <laughs>
0: So this song is the 33 verse epic that we teased at the end of last week's episode. We've been using the individual version of that song, if you've noticed, as well for the in- intros to some of our episodes, including what you heard at the beginning of this episode.
1: This song is called Ge, which roughly translates to the epic poem of history. We, however, like to simply call it the song of the Bulong, because through directly addressing and praising their ancestors Lung. The song encapsulates much of the history and culture that define Bulong identity.
0: So many parts of daily Bulong life come directly from this song. For example, the message from the tea ancestors that we quoted in our episode about tea, which outlined the longevity of tea as opposed to cows or gold, and about the importance of protecting tea. That message comes directly, word for word, from the song.
1: And the story we told at the very first episode about the legend of the Bulong's discovery of tea during a migration you guessed it, comes also <laughs> directly from this song.
0: The bulang mantra of harmony with nature, that's found all throughout the song, which contains beautiful descriptions of their homeland and of nature.
1: We've chosen one of our favorite passages that we think encapsulates the importance of history, tea, and nature to the Bulong.
0: Quote, you, which in this case refers to their ancestor, Pylon, you let us out of the life of nomads into a new era of settlement. Since then, we have built a green homeland for the ambitious, planted tea seedlings around the mountain on the side of a humble shack.
1: The sun sets and the moon rises again. Clouds and fog scatter, rain and dew are nourished. Small tea seedlings from one tree to another, planted from the foot of the mountain to the entire hillside. Oh, the spring is bright, the mountains are full of wild flowers.
0: Silver flowers blossom from a small tea tree, golden flowers blossom from a big tea tree. From now on, the tea is our way of living and our lifeline. It will spread throughout for people all over the world to love and to drink enjoyably.
1: Through our experience with bulong music, the two of us have really realized how important music is as a way of carrying history and culture. As you've seen, so many parts of bulong culture can be found in songs. This has become especially important in the revitalization of process of Bulan culture that the prince has been leading for the past decade.
0: So he told us when reviving parts of culture and teaching them to the villagers, when he, at the beginning of that process, he started with music because of how important and effective it is in passing down culture. A quote from our conversation sums it up best. <laughs>
1: After the Cultural Revolution, the Bulong weren't allowed to sing or dance. I had to correct them and teach them the correct official ways. Bulong music and dance has a striking quality, which sets us apart from the music of other minorities. Through our music, you can experience our hardworking, courageous character, our pursuit of a good life. Every moment of our dance and note in our songs has a meaning and represents a part of who we are.
0: However, aside from the difficulties of singing the songs themselves, the princess also encountered other challenges along the way. From the perspective of younger Bulong, a lot of whom we've spoken to, there are three main problems with this. The first is with the Bulong dialect. As we've alluded to before, many younger Bulong are not as familiar with, or they just straight up don't know, their own language.
1: Part of this stems from the fact that the Bulong do not have their own written language. Instead, the writings of their scriptures are borrowed from the Dai minority. Many of them are more familiar with Mandarin, which we will explore in next week's episode, but this makes it so that they cannot understand and experience the full meaning of what they are saying.
0: So the second problem is sort of related, but is a little more abstract. It has to do with their lack of familiarity with Bulan culture and history just as a concept. In our discussions with Yui Ni, who is a tea farmer we've became close with over the past three years, she told us that she has been taking voice lessons. And we listened to her and we played a clip of her actually last mm-hmm. week, I think. Um, and technically, she's a very, very good singer. But she herself believes that her voice lacks the gravity or the, quote, soul as she put it, that comes from directly experiencing the traditional Bulong culture and living through the hardships of history that the songs describe, which she and many other younger Bulong have been sheltered from and were not exposed to as children.
1: The third problem is much more practical. Simply put, Sometimes mainstream pop music is more appealing than traditional cultural music, both to the bulang themselves and to outsider tourists and customers. This isn't necessarily a bad thing, it's just the reality of growing up in a more globalized, westernized world. Often, musicians will replace the original lyrics of songs with Mandarin, which makes their music more accessible and easier to understand, which poses an economic benefit for their careers.
0: So the singing of songs in Mandarin, for, uh, to us, like at first, I think, it seemed a little bit of mm-hmm. kind of harmful, right. but it's actually more two-sided than you might think in terms of preservation efforts. Mm-hmm. Um, the Prince actually explained this to us when we spoke to him, and he basically said that even though it's not ideal, um, and he still pushes for musicians to learn to sing in their own dialect, there's still, you know, a bright side. Mm.
1: To quote the prince, he said, even if musicians don't sing using our own traditional language, it's still an expression of a musician's inner thoughts and feelings. That, to me, is still passing on our culture.
0: It's such a delicate balance, Mm -hmm. and it's an ongoing process that continues just as we speak right now. Um, But the musicians and other Bulong are just as important as the music itself in the process of revitalization.
1: So next week's episode, we'll be introducing all the lovely people we've had the privilege of working with in the past three years. See you soon.